0: This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. On our podcast today, Dr. Atul Gawande.
1: We're learning now what keeps healthcare workers safe That's going to show us how we can get everybody back to work safely.
0: The surgeon, New Yorker writer and leader of an innovative new healthcare venture on the lessons of coronavirus. And it's almost the weekend. We could all use a break. Food and Wine magazine's Ray Isle on happy hour virtually.
2: You know, you can theme it kind of any way you want. You can tie it to a specific kind of cocktail. You can say we're all going to do Pinot Noir.
0: It's Friday, March 27th, 2020. Squawk Pot begins right now. Good morning,
3: everybody. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Let's start with
0: the markets. As coronavirus cases flood the United States healthcare system, orderlies, nurses, and doctors are taking extra steps and making harder decisions as they maintain the health of the American public. Our highlight guest today on the pod is one of those essential care workers, Dr. Atul Gawande of Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. He's written about those hard decisions and crucial methodologies in two of his books, The Checklist Manifesto and Being Mortal. Both should definitely be on your isolation bookshelf. They're fantastic. He's a surgeon, a staff writer for The New Yorker, and he's the CEO of Haven, the new and still quiet joint healthcare venture between J.P. Morgan, Amazon, and Berkshire Hathaway. Back in 2018, when that venture was just getting off the ground, J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon and Berkshire CEO Warren Buffett told our own Becky Quick about their chosen leader for the new venture. At the time, Dr. Gawande's identity was a mystery. Oh, and the Jeff you'll hear Warren Buffett mention, Jeff Bezos.
2: We have the right CEO. I'm very enthused about it. I know Jamie and and, and Jeff are too.
3: Jamie, you've met this new CEO too?
2: Yes, I have. We have an outstanding individual.
4: Character, culture, capability, heart, mind, the whole thing.
0: Now, of course, we know who that individual is, and we were privileged to hear from him this morning on Squawk Box. Here's Becky Quick kicking off the conversation with Atul Gawande.
3: Dr. Gawande, thank you for being with us today. Glad to be here. You know, you wrote an article for The New Yorker that really caught our attention, and I was hoping you could shed a little light on what's happening here. You talked about what happened in China, how their first response in Wuhan failed, but how they came back so much stronger and really managed to contain things. Why don't you talk a little bit about those extreme measures that they took and whether or not you think we can do that here?
1: Well, there was China, um, including then Hong Kong reacting, then Singapore, and there are lessons coming from all of Asia that suggest there's a few critical elements. First of all, you've got to recognize this is a national epidemic, and we haven't woken up to that. I'm worried. I'm worried about what's emerging in a bunch of cities, not just in New York. We're talking New Orleans, Atlanta, Dallas, Miami, Detroit, Philadelphia, Chicago. Our, our death toll curve is now worse than when China was at the same stage. We have 12 states with more than 1,500 cases. China had one uh, province. So, uh, you know, what what works? On the flip side, Washington State is flattening the death toll curve and there are some key steps borrowed from that experience in Asia. Shelter in place, which some states are doing. We have about 20. We don't have the others on board and we need really a national shelter in place. Um, It's physical distancing and really being critical about that. Uh, It's testing and tracing contacts. And then there's work to do to recognize hospitals cannot become sources of infection and we've got to make that not happen like it's happening in Italy and Spain.
3: How do we do that?
1: Well, the the lesson out of Singapore and Hong Kong in particular that I dove into, and you're seeing it in South Korea as well, is there's a playbook. And the playbook includes um, that healthcare workers, when they come into work, they have a daily symptom check to make sure they don't have symptoms of COVID-19. They go home if they don't. And then they have a surgical mask uh, from the moment that they come into work and throughout the day, taking care of any patients. That's not just because that you keep them from getting infected it's that they're picking up infections in the community and they it keeps them from spreading infection to others and that's and that's really the critical thing another another part of their playbook which i think is really interesting they found that they did not have to automatically quarantine staff workers when they were exposed to a coronavirus pa- virus patient they only needed to quarantine in, in singapore they did it only if it was greater than 30 minutes at less than uh, six feet from the person for uh, if you didn't have a surgical mask. And, you know, otherwise people kept going and they had no transmissions in the healthcare space. And I think healthcare turns out to be so important because we're learning now what keeps healthcare workers safe. That's going to show us how we can get everybody back to work safely.
3: You know, in Italy, I read that something like eight point three percent of the cases that they've reported have been healthcare workers. Are they not doing any of that?
1: They weren't doing this, and uh, and not really committing to it. And frankly, we haven't been doing it either. Right as of I wrote this article about a week ago today, um, we now have most hospitals starting to flip into. Taking these core measures, but but it's still way too slow in the hospital setting. Um, we uh, need to have that process where, you know, when you come into work, you are checked for and asked, do you have have you had a have you had a feeling of a fever today? Have you had a, ca- a new cough, new shortness of breath? New loss of taste has turned out to be a, uh, a potential indicator of COVID. It's turning up as, an, as a problem, and um, uh, any new muscle aches. And if you do, you stay home. Uh, you have to uh, self. You have to self isolate for a period of time. What we should do is be able to offer tests, and more and more places are able to offer healthcare workers tests so they know if uh, if they really can come back. That that part is critical, and then having masks while we're while we're at work. Supplies are a, are, are a critical issue, so in some places we have to ration the masks. In my hospital, I get one mask for the day, and uh, and, that's, and that's the way it's got to work. Dr. Guante, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is there is a conversation happening uh, in financial circles and in the White House about the cure uh, being worse than the disease, and I'm hoping you can speak to that uh, from a medical perspective, but also from an economic perspective, because um, Some people look at this and say if there is a financial crisis that is lasting, there are health impacts from that. How do you think about that? Uh, I know you've spent a lot of time thinking about all of this. Yeah. In a national epidemic uh, where it's picking up speed in places that haven't had it, the economic damage is going to be worse if we don't lock down. Understand, there's this talk like, you know, it's only the elderly and the and the frail who get sick. Uh, They are at the most risk of dying. But look at people just middle-aged, 45 years old. A quarter of them need to be hospitalized in order to survive when they have this virus. And about 5 to 10% of them need to be on a ventilator for days. You have this sweep through, infect 60 million people. We're done. We we will not be able to have those people, uh, forget getting them back to work, we will not have those people uh, come through and survive if we can't actually take care of them. So, you know, the idea that that this is that will, you know, maybe we should just go back to work, uh, and and this will all be fine, and just just let those uh, old folks get sick, or maybe we'll quarantine the nursing homes. That's not going to do it.
3: Dr. Gwanda, you, you mentioned Gwande. the shortage that we have when it when it comes to supplies. Uh, what about the potential shortage when it comes to healthcare workers? Either those who get self quarantined, those who get the virus, those who don't feel comfortable working in that environment because they're afraid of exposing their family.
1: Yeah, I mean, here in Boston, we have more than a hundred healthcare workers who've tested positive, largely from. Uh, all, all, virtually all from picking it up in the community. But we're finding that the practices that you borrow those from Singapore and Hong Kong, they're able to keep spread from happening. They're able to keep the workers safe. The critical things that we gotta have are uh, masks and gloves. Um, and those are, so far we've got supply for the next few days. I see the supply chains continuing to improve. You know, there's there's been this lag, we didn't get on it early enough. Um, and so when I talk to the manufacturers, I talk to the to the government uh, officials. We're seeing that there is product getting into the pipeline, and then you know its distribution isn't perfect. Uh, we will get through it, but the next couple of weeks are not going to be great. And so yes, we have to make sure those healthcare workers are a priority. If you have masks, any any of your businesses get them into your hospitals.
3: Dr. Gawande, thank you for your time. We hope to talk to you again soon.
1: Thank you.
0: Next on SquawkPod, it's Friday, finally. We're back after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. What are you doing this weekend? If your plans, like mine, involve staying at home, you might be meeting friends and family virtually. Restaurants, bars, and other public meeting places may be closed due to concern over the spread of coronavirus. But connection is still important. And so, the rise of virtual happy hours. Video conferencing platform Zoom is a popular one for schools and workplaces. The company debuted on the NASDAQ less than a year ago in April 2019. And the share price is up about 100% since just January 31st. First, for tips in throwing a party on a virtual platform, I spoke to Food & Wine Executive Wine Editor Ray Isle. And this conversation was conducted and recorded via, what else? Zoom. Ray, it's been a long month this week.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's been a long month and about one day, it feels like <laughs> right now.
0: So a lot of people, because we can't see our friends and coworkers regularly due to the coronavirus shutdown and, and shelter-in-place uh, orders in many states across the U.S., a lot of us are doing virtual happy hours. Tell me a bit about that. How does it work?
2: So the way it works, it's, it's really amazing, too, because this is just taken off out of nowhere. Um, the way it works is you, you set a time with, with a group of friends. You know, it could be, could be two friends, could be six friends, could be 10 friends, and you find a platform. One of the most popular ones is Zoom. Zoom. Um, People are doing, you know, uh, FaceTime chats and, and various other platforms as well. And you essentially all join together virtually um, to have a glass of wine, have a cocktail, um, talk about, you know, anything other than the coronavirus for once, <laughs> you know. And it's, it's, a, it's a blast. It's, you know, I, I, I can't say I'd ever done this before, and I now have a fairly robust social schedule of, of family <laughs> and friends who want to, you know, get together around 530 or six and, and have a virtual drink. It's, it's really quite wild.
0: It's funny that all these platforms that are business communication and video conferencing platforms like Zoom, like Google Hangouts. I mean, these have been things that have been available in our offices for years, but we're rediscovering them completely.
2: There are all these business platforms um, that people are now using for social purposes. And it's and it's very funny when I did this article for Food & Wine online recently about the whole trend, I talked to a couple of people who were like, absolutely, you know, d- you know I want to describe what I was doing with my friends. We were playing flip cup together, or, <laughs> you know, but we were actually using our work platform. So maybe don't mention that.
0: <laughs> Tell me about kind of tips and tricks for planning or hosting a virtual happy hour in today's new normal.
2: So a couple of things that you want to do. I mean, one thing, you know, get everybody up to speed on whatever platform you choose to use. Cause it's, you know, I, I having explained, you know, to my mother and other people about how to work zoom, how to download zoom, you want to get that kind of settled in advance. I th- think it's also really nice to, to set a timeframe so that, you know, one so that says everybody shows up on time and two that, so that, um, you know, that, that people don't feel weird about, signing off So you know, we're going to do it. We're going to meet for six, from six to seven. We're going to have a glass of wine. We're going to talk and then we're going to cut it, cut it off that because um, everybody has to cook dinner and deal with the kids, that kind of thing.
0: A friend of mine, I saw they, she did a theme with her friends and the theme was headgear. So they all wore whatever they could find in the house that was kind of weird and quirky and put it on their heads for their Zoom cocktail hour, which I thought was pretty brilliant.
2: I think it's kind of brilliant. I mean, there have been, you know, you can theme it kind of any way you want. You can tie it to headgear. You can tie <laughs> it to a specific kind of cocktail because they were all going to do like tiki cocktails. You can say we're all going like to um, do Pinot Noir. Um, I mean, it's, it's better, I think, if you pick something drink-wise that's not wildly obscure because it's so hard to... I mean, shopping is just hard right now. So you want something that people can actually find or, or have in their house. Great. Um, so that's, that's my plan for tonight. Uh, there, there are several other plans coming up too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I hope to see you uh, in person for a real happy hour uh, in, in, in future.
2: I, I, I will really look forward to that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and until then, cheers.
2: <laughs> Thanks very much. Cheers to you.
4: on Sunday. See the FedEx Service Guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away.
0: And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening and thank you for sticking with us as we bring you content pieced together from laptops and iPads across three states. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. Subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you listen to podcasts. Maybe leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can tweet us at Squawk CNBC. Send us pictures of your virtual happy hours. We'll meet you back here on Monday